The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We are talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code RINKRAT, that is R-I-N-K-R-A-T, to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code RINKRAT only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, we're recording? Yes, sir. Welcome, everyone, to the Rink Rat Report podcast. We have Toronto Maple Leafs games that were played, finally. Uh, Leafs have gone through their first two preseason games. They did Saturday, a little doubleheader, which was kind of fun seeing them play in the afternoon there. A five... Why don't I remember the score? What was the score? Can you look at five, two. five two, something like so. that. And then they lost the next one four two. I watched the first game. I should be able to know this. I believe they had five though. Yeah, unless they scored an empty uh, header. No, Doesn't four matter. two, four one, four two, four one, and then four one. That makes more sense yes, because Eric Schalgren let him one. And yeah, today we're joined by Jason. No Josh. Yep. What a start! Can't even remember the scores of the games <laughs> that I watched. Remember the ones that I didn't. But um, yeah, to start it off, we're gonna go through. Uh, the injuries that the Leafs seem to keep creeping up on us. I don't know. It seems like every time I log into Twitter, I just see a new Leafs injury. So I've been like kind of pounding Twitter for the, this past week, just being like, who, who else is injured? Yeah. Who else, uh, who else are we missing? What other roster moves do we have to make? Uh, recap. We're going to recap the preseason games. Uh, we're going to take a look at, a lot of the roster battles that are going on within these games. Yep. Uh, how did the goalies play? Yep. Um, I mean, Keith Bags gave the guys, uh, the the players today, but who really care? Who, yeah. who gives a shit? <laughs> Let's just call a spade a spade. It doesn't mean anything. A little bit of around the league. Um, and yeah, let's get into it. Yep. Uh, I have a little quarrel, I suppose you could call, with Sportsnet. Uh, let's hear it. I didn't watch the second game. I was out that night. I'm like, I'm not staying in and purposely missing events just to watch a Leafs preseason game. A split squad preseason game. Fair enough. So I said, I'll watch this game the next day. I'll watch it on Monday. I'll watch it whatever. I go on to Sportsnet now to watch said game. They only posted one of the games. How do you just like just forget that this game ever existed? How how do you choose to post one of them over the other? Like there, to me, it just blew my mind. I, I can't find this game anywhere. So I'm going to be more in depth about the first game. Unfortunately, the second game is just from what I saw or the limited bits that I got to see. Fair, fair enough. I was not able to catch either game. I only got to see the limited bits as well. Um, I was actually smoking some meats on Saturday, so it was good to like actual meats. Yeah, like like a smoker. Like what kind of meats? Ribs. You're smoking ribs. Oh yeah, a big green egg. No, not the green egg. Everyone's asking oh. me about the green egg. It was a barrel. It was a large barrel, and it was fantastic. But I ended up missing the least game, so uh, only got to see a little bit of it. So you're gonna have to carry the carry the load here with this. But before we get into those, yes. let's let's get into the injuries first. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Of they're big. There's big. This, oh, this there's is the big biggest ones. news. Yeah, for sure. This is the biggest ones. So, uh, earlier this week, since we last recorded, Jake Muzzin got injured. Uh, well, he had discomfort, we'll call it, was considered, I don't know, day to day. And they said he'll be back next week. So, I think he's practicing fairly soon. I don't know if we see him in a preseason game, but I don't believe he played in the Leafs golf tournament. So, okay. that's one thing to Interesting. note. Uh, so, they called it back discomfort. He didn't have any 
sort of things that popped up throughout the summer, and then all of a sudden he goes into camp and he went, ah, my back's not feeling great. Maybe to get out of bag skiing, maybe to get out <laughs> of fitness training, who knows? But Jake Muzzin is not practicing with the, the full squad as of right now. John Tavares just came out today, will be out for three weeks with an oblique injury. Pulled something in his ribs or I don't know, something like that. It occurred in the game on Saturday. It was not obvious. No, he didn't. wasn't pulled from the game, and I swear he was practicing the next day. So, yeah, um, just kind of out of out of left field that they announced that today. Yeah, and he played the game, which is why I don't like. I, from yeah. what we talked about before, it didn't seem like there was a clip or any instance in which he got hurt. Like. Uh, I saw on Twitter, though, a clip of Mikhaev during the Vancouver game. He got hurt in that game, whatever. There was a clip on Twitter. I'm expect- When I see that John Tavares played a game then got hurt, I'm going to Twitter. I'm expecting it. Nothing's there. What happened? Are we... I don't want to get... There's even clips of, from that game of just Adam Gaudet skating forward. <laughs> like, that's no no backward, of- though. No backward. No, I don't know if he can <laughs> skate backwards, but no. no crossovers either. <laughs> throw that one in there. Yeah. But, yeah, it's kind of crazy that... I have no idea where this occurred. I have no idea how, when, whatever. And I watched the game. So, yeah. Unfortunate. Yep. That's a big hole at 2C. Oh, yeah. Especially considering we had no 4C going into this one. So, now Sheldon Keith says that he will have Alex Kerfoot and Callie Yarncroft taking turns at 2C. So, we'll see how... We'll see how this plays out, and I think we'll see it. There, 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 that's another little battle that's going to happen during camp. Absolutely, and honestly, this is maybe it's never good to have a player hurt in the preseason, but it might be a little blessing in disguise in the sense that if we're basically going to... like, I always thought that I think JT is a great player, but like he's should be our third line. I think he will flourish better as like a third line center. You know how we always talk about the two second lines? This is going to be a good opportunity to see what our best other second line would be without John Tavares on it. You, like the Nylander line that we always talk about without John Tavares because it's going to be Nylander on that line for sure. So we're going to be able to see if Yarncrook and Kerfoot are the answer there. We're going to be able to see if Yarncrook and Obey Kubel are the answer with Nylander or Kerfoot and Obey or even Adam Gaudet. Who knows? But it'll give us a good look as to who could be one of those guys who plays on that pseudo second line that we've been calling it all year if John Tavares and Nylander get split up throughout the year. Again, we don't think that they will. Probably likely that they're going to play together. But I think it's. I think we've come to an agreement on this podcast that that is, if we were doing the lines, that's how we optimally build them is by splitting those two guys up. And I think we're going to be able to see who will work best with Nylander without John Tavares having to, the almost the pressure of him being there. It's like you almost want to force Nylander with that. I understand this is also preseason. So there's these pressures yeah. don't, it's not like the regular season. But if it does bleed into the regular season, we're going to see some, some, some actual games played without John Tavares and who, how that second line would look without him. So, I think it could be a little, a, li- a little blessing to see the little the blender come out because uh, even though we didn't like it last year, that we we talk about it time and time again. I just don't think they did it correctly last year, and they did it Fair far too often. Fair just enough. Games they would Mid-game, go down by a goal. A problem. Yeah, they go down by a goal. He would pan. Sheldon Keith would panic, and all of a sudden, like the lines were just unrecognizable again. And it would be right after he would have changed them. Like, and he, I don't know, he galaxy brained himself over and over and over again this season. Here's where I kind of disagree. I think with John Tavares this year, you need that solid second line left wing. Like, it's kind of like what we were describing earlier, a few episodes back with Dylan Strom. Like, you need those two wingers that are going to do the heavier lifting that are the better skaters so that he's as effective as he can be in terms of what he does well. And what does he do well? He wins puck battles. He's good. He's a force in front of the net. Decent shot, I would say. It's kind of gone downhill a little bit, I would say, scoring touch-wise. But good in front of the net, good winning puck battles, good along the boards, good behind the net, and feeding feeding the puck from behind the net as well. I think that they need to find that second line left winger to kind of glue it all together. I think that you could have John Tavares and William Nylander together and it could work. Mm-hmm. You just need to find that correct second line left winger. And it's not, it wasn't Alex Kerfoot. I mean, do you try that again? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe because it'll work for 10 games and then the next 10, it'll completely disappear. 
Uh, is it Nick Robertson? As of right now, I say no. Is it Callie Yarncrock? I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, like I don't know. Like when we move, when the Leafs moved Tavares away from Nylander last year, it didn't work because Nylander was with David Camp. So if you then move him with Callie Yarncrock, okay, that's a little bit better. Yeah. And then that second line with JT though, like who are his wingers? Pierre Engvall and Alex Kerfoot. Maybe I don't know. So are those guys going to do the heavy lifting though? Is that way how you maximize John Tavares's value? Like I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm yeah, just yeah. having a little bit of trouble conceptualizing. Fair, it. fair enough. My only counter to that is that do we think that left wing that you talked about, who would be the perfect, like not the the, the perfect fit for that line, do they exist on our roster right now? That's what we kind of have to ask ourselves. And I feel like the answer is probably I'm leaning towards no for that. That's the problem. So. If that's the case, if we can't figure out that line... Maybe Dennis Malgin. Maybe Dennis Malgin. Maybe Pierre Engvall. <laughs> they were skating it, together, actually. Who? Uh, JT and... It was Malgin, Nylander, Tavares. Okay, interesting. That was, and that was a couple days ago. They also did skate together before the COVID shutdown. Yeah. I, so okay. it's something to note. I'll get in more into Dennis Malgin once we talk about the games here. But does he... Like, outside of Dennis Malgin, who is a crapshoot. I will tease mm-hmm. that part. Like, not really unless, I don't know, like hockey's such a game of weirdness and randomness and who knows what really works until you see it on the ice together. Absolutely. So that's where I, like, but just in terms of what I'm thinking in my head, I don't know, not really. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's, I haven't seen a lot of Dennis Maligan from what I'm like basing it off of his back when he played on the Leafs and, 2010 uh, was, and like or 2019 but um yeah like i don't know if that's the correct player archetype to fit with those guys i think that makes that line a little too i don't want to say easy to play against but like almost a little because nylander and john Tavares are big boys they're not easy to like push off the puck and i'm not gonna say that nylander is like sure maybe he doesn't hit guys and go out of his way to like rock people he ne- never hits but He's not an easy guy to knock the puck off of. If, it, if the puck's on his yeah. stick and he's around the board, he's very uh, deceptive and good at moving off checks and like absorbing checks as well. He's big. He's very, very underratedly big. But thick. yeah, he's very thick. But I just like I'm in my head. We need like a puck retriever, like puck hound. And I don't know if Dennis Malgin is that guy, from my understanding no, and from what I, I saw. He's more of like a skill perimeter kind of guy. So maybe that works with John Tavares and like yeah, I don't I don't know, but. It, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think there we go. There's one. Uh, it's going to be cool to see. Did but you fart? No, interesting. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I thought you farted. <laughs> but I do see what you mean. Yeah. There. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Does he exist on the roster? I mean, like we're getting a good look at everyone, and it's like I don't know. <laughs> who knows? Honestly, who really? Who really knows he, until? They drop the puck. One thing is, though, he does have a contract. Whether it be a two-way, doesn't really matter. He ha- he's signed to the lease, so that already gives him a leg up on, say, a guy like Zach Asterix because he's literally already signed. Not Zach saying Asterix that he's going to... is not touching the top six. With yeah, for sure. For sure. Goal. For sure. I, he, I, is, he is, I don't know, one of the worst offensive players at training camp, yeah, I would say. I was just more thinking in the sense of, like, making the team, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. Any other injury news we got? Uh, Timothy Lilgren says here out six weeks, maybe back in November. I didn't know it was that long. Uh, I think I just wrote that because from when it was, <laughs> when it was announced to oh. that's like six weeks from then, which is like early November, late October. So, yeah. So it's maybe a hernia, right? Yeah. So we don't, yeah, I think around six weeks sounds about right, but nobody's really said we, November, which is kind of weird. Yeah. So we don't really know what that one could be November. I don't know. He's not going to be, I don't think he's, he's, I think we can fully say he's not going to be ready for the beginning of the regular season. Yep, that's fair to say. So um, it's it's Lilgren and John Tavares that are not going to be ready for the regular season. Yep. Engvall and Muzzin, I believe, should be. Okay, that's good, too. That's so, good news. So, um, yeah. But yeah, with the Lilgren thing, I think that, that was from the 32 thoughts. That was six weeks. I think that's where I got that from. Got but it. that could just be, again, speculation. But the way that Elliot Freeman was talking about the Sandine situation kind of made it seem like... There's injuries on the back end. Maybe he's a little more. He said he was speculating, and he said he like doesn't have a source for it. But maybe who who knows, right? Who knows when he's being honest about that or not? Um, 
maybe he has a little bit more insight to the injuries and thinks and and knows that like maybe these injuries are a little bit going to be a little longer than expected because the way he was taught he was talking about Rasmus Sandin signing and the way that Raz like the way he was talking about it he's like that's the the playing time thing is no longer an excuse that's kind of what he was saying so maybe that makes me think that maybe he has a little bit more information than we do but it could just be pure speculation who knows I mean is the I don't know like yeah, unless Muzzin's out long term, like how is playing time not an excuse though? I don't know, but I'm crossing. I don't think he is. I'm crossing my fingers right now that Muzzin is okay, and we just yeah, it's pl- insanely plop disappointing. To, like plop him there. A player that was injury prone, like had injury issues last year, coming into this year, you're really betting on his health, and he comes in and it's, ah, I can't play. I've got back discomfort, which is an an injury that we haven't seen before from him. Yeah, so. That's uh, doesn't sit well. Yeah. We'll call it, but yeah, let's get into the games. Yeah. So the one p.m. game, Toronto and Ottawa, it didn't start great for the Leafs. I I usually do write down what the the shots were and everything, but the score bug, like the score, whatever you want to call it, I call it the score bug in the top left corner that says the score and says the shots. It was broken. And when it was one nothing Ottawa, it said that the Leafs were up in shots two nothing. The shots were absolutely not two nothing. And at the end of the first period, the score sheet, like the the stat sheet, said that Justin Hole and Mark Giordano had played sixteen minutes each at the end of the first period. Preseason for everyone, working out some kinks there clearly because none of that is accurate whatsoever. But. Yeah, the Leafs really did take over in the second and the third. I believe they exploded for three goals in a row. Um, did we ever get that score? What it was happened? 4-1. 4-1. Okay, that makes that makes sense. So the goals were from Justin Hole hammered one home. Um, Alex Steves put one off his ass. Dennis Maligan got one. And then Alex Steves got the empty netter. So in terms of this game, the standouts... William Nylander, Pontus Holmberg, and Dennis Malgan had a fantastic game in this one. They were William Nylander, I swear, had the puck the entire game. He had chances, chance after chance after chance. Dennis Malgan had more than a few chances as well. I believe Drew one penalty at least I have off the top of my head, if not maybe two. I can't fully remember. But Pontus Holmberg was also doing some small things very well on top of that too. Off the top of my head, he did have a great slot slot chance off the pass from Dennis Maligan off the rush. He made a nice little play in the... It was Nylander made a nice play in the neutral zone. Maligan got the zone entry, fed it to Pontus Holmberg. Nice shot. Anton Forsberg played very well for the time that he did play. Um, But those three together looked fantastic. I believe they're all... On the roster, all three are on the roster yep. for Wednesday's game. Okay, I w- would be surprised if they're not playing together again. Which it's it's a kind of a weird feeling, but you're like, I do want to see them. I do want to see Holmberg and Malgin away from Nylander because Nylander played so well. It's like how much of it was how much of Holmberg and Malgin's strong play was from Nylander. You got to wonder. You, you always do kind of wonder of those things, but yeah, it was driving the bus, of, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I I do think that they got these chances on their own, but you know, we'll see in that front. But yeah, my MVP is definitely those three. Eric Schalgren, I thought played okay. I mean, the one goal it was from. I really should. Have, uh, I'm hesitant to say it, but I believe it was Alex DeBrincat. Yep, it was Tim Stutzel. See, wrong short king. Sorry, short king. I mean, <laughs> short, whatever. He came in off a uh, on the rush. I think Eric Schalgren didn't play it that well and kind of gave him the the short side on that one. But it was off a breakaway too, which it was kind of on Mark Giordano to be there. So you know, not fully his fault. But I thought he played all right. Dylan Ferguson made a made a few good saves. Had to come in, uh, came in in the third period, made a few good saves, but. In terms of him, he's on a PTO. I don't really see him getting, unless there's an injury in camp, I don't see Dylan Ferguson getting a contract with the Marlies or the Leafs. I think they're just too crowded right now. I I don't know how bad Joseph Wool's injury is, but 
but I don't really see it. I mean, with him, he, he didn't look that – I don't know how tall he is officially, but he didn't look that big out there. He kind of hunches a little bit. I thought he was out of position at times. I mean, the puck was moving pretty fast on him, but I thought he was a little bit out of position, a little bit too much movement, wasn't as quiet as I would like him to be. Like, when a goaltender is facing a shot – the ideal for the goaltender is that their feet are still. If you're mm-hmm. still moving around, if there's too much movement, it throws you off, and you don't really get the best reaction time on the shot, and therefore you get have less of a chance of stopping it. So I, there was a lot of movement in Dylan Ferguson's game. I mean, he's not the youngest goaltender as well, so it's like you're not really betting on... Yeah, I, don't know. It, I think that, he's a 99 born, but... That seems like one yeah. of those that's just he like... He played a, well. He, he made the stops he needed to. I'll make that clear, yeah. but yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan. Of I, I think you're right. It's probably like a wall insurance if wall's not good to go or if someone gets hurt, like throw him in there and he'll get, he'll get a contract. But probably even then, that, like, then you're taking up room for Dryden McKay. You're taking up room from not, Keith Petrozelli. Yeah, but if those... Taking up room from Luke Cavillan as well. I guess. They obviously... All those, those guys that I just mentioned are also signed to the Marlies. Like, yeah. There's three guys on Marlies' contracts... And then there's Joseph Wool and there's Eric Shalgren. Yeah. So it's like maybe maybe they don't think Shalgren will be as big of a part in the Marley season and be playing more in the NHL. Who knows? Oh. Oh wow. <laughs> like who knows? Honestly, right? That's like, an observation. <laughs> maybe Galaxy Brain, but what whatever. We'll have to that's like a wait and see thing. Wow. Um but or or maybe they just like like Ferguson stuff and he was out there, they just took a dart at him. Maybe they like him a little bit better than the those other guys you named in the Marlies right now. So, Possibly. I mean, I haven't seen a ton of Dryden McKay. I saw some of Luke Cavillan at, uh, what's it called? At the Prospects Tournament. Mm-hmm. He looked okay there. And I mean, in terms of Ferguson versus Petrozelli, I mean, Ferguson had a better game than Petrozelli did. I mean, it's not, wouldn't take a rocket scientist to say that, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially looking at the numbers. But yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point you brought up there to, i thought for sure i'll move on from him but yeah and and to be a different perspective to be fair shalgren also different scenario a lot older than what dylan ferguson is right now but last year we signed shalgren i, I don't know if i'm not sure if he was on a pto to start no camp but we just we we'll just see. signed him and he just came in um maybe who knows maybe maybe they like him and that's why they brought him in yeah so who knows? yeah maybe it's uh john elkin <laughs> Uh, any pulling some strings behind the scenes. Any other points from that game that you want to bring up or talk about? Or yeah, um, there was a lot of noise. I'll, I'll call it on Twitter about Adam Gaudet. Mm-hmm. I don't buy. I mean, he's injured right now. He's day to day with an upper body injury. I didn't see how he got injured there as well. I mean, he's big. He threw he threw the body around. Which you, I mean, with the Leafs in the past, they don't really hit that much. So. Yeah. You do like to see guys come in and throw a bunch of hits and try yeah. to try to make some noise, try to stir up some stuff. I mean, Gaudet had three hits. Wayne Simmons led the team in this game with four. But, I mean, Gaudet played in total almost 16 minutes. He played with Tavares, and he played with uh, Mitch Marner. He did not look like he belonged on that line at all. His skating is really rough, but... You like to see a guy come in there and throw the body. Around. Yeah, I think this is like a the where they're putting him in the lineup is kind of like a punt. Yeah, excuse me, a confidence booster type thing where we want to put him in a good position to succeed. I don't think he's going to sniff the top six at all. I doubt it. Oh. Um, but I don't know. Did you think he was a good enough player to just? I be, thought be Pontus Holmberg played way better than him. Fair I thought enough. Dennis Malgin was a thousand times better than him, but in they played different kind yeah. of. Yeah, like, so it. it in a, in a body like do you see yeah. him as being an everyday NHLer? That's what we're lo- that's like, that's like the conversation we have to have Wayne with him. Simmons and I don't know to how, be, how different were they really? <laughs> I don't. They I, were the same kind of thing. Okay, fair fair enough. So that that's not that to me that's not good because like again we like Wayne Simmons is the bar and it's an, like no offense to Wayne Simmons. I think during his career he was a fantastic player. It's just oh in, Wayne Simmons had an assist. In, uh, he had a secondary assist in this game. Yeah, and but, Adam Gaudet did not. That's yeah. Eh. An assist is an assist. I don't know. I don't put too much weight weight into it. I care about more how they actually played. But um, yeah, like Wayne Simmons for me is the bar for what what our bottom six should be. Like everyone should be over that essentially. Yeah. Like if you're playing on our team, you need to be better than Wayne Simmons, and that's a very low bar with how he's with how his career has progressed because he's just so. It seems like he's so injured and just so 
worn Wayne, down. Wayne Simmons? Wayne Simmons. He just isn't good anymore. Oh, yeah. Just the body's... It's the, it's the typical, like, it's that typical power forward checker mm-hmm. with not the greatest amount of speed. In terms of their longevity, I'll call it, it yeah. just, it... Plummets. Plummets. Yeah. And it plummets fast. I mean, yeah. when you remember Wayne Simmons, like, you might forget, like, but with Three. with Philadelphia... The year with Philadelphia, he was second in, in. Sorry, the year that the Leafs signed him. So this was twenty in twenty nineteen, and including that year, because he was on the power play for the Leafs, he was third, I believe, in ex, in expected point power play goals. Like his his like that, his yeah. shot generation was insane on the power play. He would always find himself in the in the correct area and get shots off, which is not easy to so do on the power play. Um, with Philadelphia, I mean, this is from. 23 but 49 32 and 45 60 points 50 and 75 60 and 81 no 54 and 82 with that's a 32 goal year and a 31 goal year and then it starts to creep down at 29 years old that's where you know that seems to be the tipping point 46 and 75 so a little tip down seven less goals uh the shooting percentage actually stayed the same playing time dropped almost a full uh, 53 seconds a, a night and then after that, that's when the 30-year-old year really took a dive. Yeah. 30 points in 79 games. That's 27 and 62 with Philly. Three points in 17 games with Nashville. And then after that, 25 and 68. And then, then, then he joined the, the Leafs. Leafs. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I mean, from that 29-year-old year to now 33-year-old year, holy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really tumbled. And I mean, yeah. let's actually take a look. Milan Lucic. When he first joined, when he first joined his first year with Edmonton, he had a solid year, sure. And then it was his twenty-nine-year-old year as well. Yeah, twenty-eight-year-old year with Edmonton. First year with Edmonton, signed that massive deal, fifty points in eighty-two games, twenty-three goals, not bad. Twenty-nine-year-old year, he had thirty-four points, and then his thirty-year-old year, he had twenty, and then actually started to do a bit better with Calgary as his role kind of changed, right? And I don't think he didn't really... Actually, injury... I don't think he suffered too many injuries, really. So, yeah, that kind of helped him out, too. But it's, uh, it, it definitely it's is interesting. Is there yeah. another player that you think kind of falls into that archetype that is coming up on that sort of age? Is there someone who's... No, I'm not going to say it. No? Why? Well... <laughs> I feel like there's a low hanging fruit. It's more of a joke than actually being serious. But who oh, could John, John Tavares fill that that role, that archetype? Oh shit! <laughs> well, he, That's why I didn't want to. He's a lot better than twenty nine year old year. He has still still got put it. up the points, <laughs> but point per game. <laughs> we are yeah, no, especially no. in the five on five category, we are seeing a decline. Yeah, no, that, and that dip. was more of a joke than anything. Oh. But um, I think yeah. Zach Hyman. Zach this is Hyman. his thirty-year-old year. Yeah. Uh oh. Michael Bunting soon. Good, yeah. <laughs> like Ooh. three years, four, uh, two years. Uh, <laughs> when you mentioned Michael Bunting. I'm the same age as him, so I don't want to. Yeah. yeah, I'm on the on the back. I'm on the back nine. Sorry, guys. Yeah. But um, uh, but yeah, back Zach to Zach Hyman just yeah. had a good year. He's 29, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's a better skater than those two, mm-hmm. and he gets to play with Connor McDavid, so. We'll see, but yeah, and he's he's less of a, like a fighter, so maybe maybe he stays okay longer than they do, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So, it's definitely a trend. Okay, um, back to Adam Gaudet though. So what the hell were we talking about? We we got off. <laughs> we on went a, off the rails on there. a little tangent. Yeah, we were just saying that what the bar is for our, our bottom six. So mm-hmm. do we? So. Let's compare him to other guys who potentially could fill into the that bottom six role. Like, how did he play in that game compared to like a guy like Zach Aston Reese or Joey Anderson or, I mean, we talked about Dennis Allen Malkin a bit. I don't know Alex Steves. How do we feel he played compared to those guys? Uh, in terms of Zach Aston Reese, why? What? Like from what I saw on Twitter, Natural Statric doesn't have him even listed. Yeah, he I th- played in that first game. Who? Zach Aston. He did. That is correct. I I've, oh, I think it's just it. not not useful to rely on them not 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 them but it's like the, the NHL API or whatever it's called. It's for, not, no, it's not an API. It, they I I think they might scrape it or uh, not that that really matters. Okay, yeah. here we are. 
So Zach Aston Reese played 1542. He had four hits. With Zach Aston Reese, and I got a really close look at him. Better, I've I've gotten, I know more about Zach Aston Reese than I do about Adam Gaudet, and I'm mm-hmm. still unsure what I know about Zach Aston Reese. But from what I see from him, defensive positioning is really good. I like his stick positioning. It always seems to be in the right spot. He finishes every single check without a doubt. Like it's, you know, on plays where you're like, you see a guy like kind of peel off of him, and it's in in your dumb hockey guy mind you're like oh you should have you should have rocked them but in the reality of hockey it's if you finish every single check you're going to be exhausted you're going to be worn out you're going to be dead zach aston reese pretty much every single time finishes his hits and he's a pretty solid dude so he he makes some good contact we'll call it however with that so defensive end finishing his hits like filling in for wayne simmons sure Yes, fourth line. Why not, right? Yeah. I believe a penalty kills two. Yeah, no, I pretty. I hope he does better. Yeah. So in terms of him versus Simmons, I, I would give Zach Aston Reese the edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, in the offensive zone, like I watched before that game, before Saturday's game, I watched two shift-by-shifts of him. I don't know. And including the Saturday game, I maybe saw him touch the puck like three, six times total. He does not touch the puck very much at all. Like, I I don't know if I've seen him make a pass into a high-danger area. Like, the offensive game is just really, really not there. It doesn't help that in the regular season games that I watched, he was starting in the defensive end almost every single time. Yeah. But it's like still, like he offensive impact is not really there from him. Yeah, but and it, it like, you do have to take that into account. Like, I see people... Just going nuts of Zach Aston Reed. Okay, he's you have to remember, like fourth line. Bring yeah. something. Yeah. He does bring something to the table. Well, he definitely brings well, fourth something. Fourth line. He definitely brings something that I feel like our depth was lacking in the sense that like we Like him versus Clifford and Simmons, I'd yeah, go him. A hundred percent. Like that him I, versus Godet, I go him. Like that that's what kind of Clifford was when we originally brought him in like years ago. Remember he was like in that fourth line killing role and like uh, we were okay he with was supposed to be be net front finishing yeah but he didn't really have that um but like again like i'd rather 12 games he did yeah i'd rather have zach i'd rather have zach ass and reese be filling that role for us than kyle clifford but yeah so Mm -hmm. i i I like that i like i like that he is a defense only guy because then it's like it's like a one more piece to that puzzle that is our fourth line where it's like if we put camp there we have camp zach ass and reese all of a sudden that's like a scary line to play against and you can throw out when in whenever in whatever situation you want in your own zone doesn't matter like what the game's looking like if you want to hold the lead if you're trying to i don't know if you're trying to basically but basically if you're trying to hold the lead which is yeah. helpful to have and useful to have and was useful 10 you, minutes a game yeah so why not there is one thing though when you look at a lot of the players that the lease brought in like a lot of people are going to complain about the Dennis Malgan signing mm-hmm. Victor Mete signing oh you're bringing in these small guys and we're already too small, blah, blah, blah. Like, then you look at, like, nobody wants to talk about, though, Nicholas Abe Kubel. Adam Gaudet threw a good amount of hits last year, too. Zach Aston Reese. Uh, yeah. Jordy Ben, as well. He's pretty grizzled. He's pretty grizzled back there. All of those guys hit. Yeah. Like, the Leafs are trying to get meaner in those depth spots where they can. Yeah, and that, and that's part of, part of my problem with when people talk about grittiness is they usually reference guys who aren't competent with the puck or like at, at all other than just hitting right. those guys are like competent gritty guys right outside of adam got yeah like but like it's <laughs> already the, been seventh defenseman sure yeah they, they're yeah. competent like they can play they're not gonna like they have a defined rule to them yes when you're on when they're on the ice they don't make your team objectively worse like so yeah at, at the very least like I, i'm referencing more abe kubel and zach aston reese they are competent that that players who provide more than just a physical presence. yeah they're, they're better important. than scott sabrin yeah and that's important to have in our lineup i think i think that's a great great li- little addition even though there are only two guys one of them might not even be on the team to start the year he's on a pto if he gets signed he gets signed if not then he won't be but we'll at least there's some acknowledgement of need in that space because we obviously brought in guys who fill that need so yeah that's like a maybe a little underrated um, part of the offseason that maybe Kyle Dewis is not getting credit for that he did is addressing, albeit a very small, very small uh, need, but he is addressing that need for sure. So that's that was good. Uh, any more thoughts on this game in particular? Yeah, I thought 
uh, Phil Kral and uh, Marshall Rafai, who I'm not sure why. Again, I can't find Marshall Rafai on the score. Even the score doesn't have him listed, but I thought both of them skated pretty well. They were noticeable and had some good passes in there too. Uh, issue with both of them being that under pressure in the offensive zone, they kind of struggled to to move the puck, but that's something that will get better with age. I mean, Rafai is on an AHL deal. I think he'll probably get a good amount of time with the, the Growlers uh, because the Marlies defense is pretty crowded when you look at it. So we'll see. Yeah, no rush with him. Philip Crowell, I mean, I think he'll get a lot of opportunity with the Marlies. I think he's going to be their number one power play guy on top of that too. So last year was his first North American pro year. Hopefully, right, was it? I might be wrong on that. First or second? I can't remember. Uh, it was okay. First second. full. It was his first full, yes. He played mm-hmm. 10 games in 2020. Okay, yeah. So first full North American pro year. So hopefully he can take another step in that sort of regard, yep. right? Um, other notes I had here. I mean, Alex Steves threw a couple of hits, only played nine minutes. I'd love to see him again. That's another guy, like some good finishing ability. Hopefully, if he can really hone in more of that bottom six, get yourself the puck, four check kind of mentality to mm-hmm. his game, I think that he could really carve out a spot in the bottom six there because, I mean, n- when you look at the Leafs' bottom six, even from last year, outside of Jason Spezza, like, who really shoots the puck better than Alex Steves? I don't know. Like, when you list them, like, mm-hmm. he shoots the puck better than Wayne Simmons, Kyle Clifford, David Kampf, Pierre Engvall, even. His release is way better than Pierre Engvall's. The velocity, I think, it, never mind. His shot is better than Pierre Engvall's. Uh, and then, who else am I missing? Alex Kerfoot, his shot is miles better than him. Like, I would say it's comparable to Nick Robertson, but yeah. I think he had a better, from what I've heard, he had a better game than, from what I'm seeing from the stats, he had a better game than Nick Robertson did. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. That's, well, the least did call him up it's last another, year. It's so. another box. As Josh mentioned yeah. last episode, like when you're looking at guys that were in the prospect tournament and then now they're in the preseason, now next you move into the regular season, like you, you check certain boxes. I wouldn't fully check the preseason box for Alex Steves yet because. Mm-hmm. Nine minutes, he did have two goals yeah. and uh, four shots on goal. Like, it's a good performance. Check off box. Uh, check off a box for game number one. Call it. So I, w- I was, I was happy with how with how he played. I, I think like just with Malgin, I want to get into him because he yeah. was the most noticeable out there. He was. He had a ton of chances. Um, his ex- individual expected goals. That was pretty good. Point two two. I think that's fifth on the team. Like with him, I said it last episode. I would not be surprised if he led the Leafs in points in the preseason. Like he's a fast player. Real like he's a fast player. He's really skilled as well. And like he knows what he's doing out there. The issue is and what it's the same stuff that we saw from when he was with the Leafs a few years ago. He's soft. Yeah. Like he's not going to be that guy along the boards to get himself the puck. He's not defensively. I did see one play. It was only one where the defenseman's walking in from the point and he just walks right around Malgin. Malgin doesn't really get a good, you know, doesn't really get in front of him. Isn't able to strip the puck from him. Any sort of that, that, but it was one play. So like, is the defensive game a specialty? No. Can he get himself the puck? No. Does he forecheck? No. If he goes to the AHL, is he scoring two points a game? Yeah. Like, maybe if he plays with John Tavares, who is a boards battle specialist, can that maybe compliment him a little better? Sure. Yes. Like, it. it, it I understand. He's 5'9". Like, like, there's no changing that. He's he's a smaller player. However, like, he he did have over a point a game, or if not a point a game in the Swiss League, which is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. Like he's a talented player. There is something there. I mean, in the rest of the preseason, like next game I fully expect him to get at least a point. Yeah. He's he's, he's going to continue to impress. It's just there's small details to the game that are missing and I'm wonder I'm wondering if if the Leafs give him a shot in the regular season, does he go ghost mode because he doesn't have these tiny tiny details that I mentioned? 
Yeah, maybe. He's he's in an interesting spot because he's not waiver exempt, right? So he's either going to be on the team or not on the team. So uh, would another team claim him? I don't know if another team would claim him, but I Well, he does play from, for the Leafs. So. From <laughs> he's Ari tw- Satari was claimed last year. Yeah, he's 25 years old and he from the way he's kind of I don't want to say been treated, but his relationship with the team, it seems like if he's not playing in the NHL, he doesn't want to be in in, in Canada. He wants to go play in Europe. That's what it seems like. So, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't well, know. Well, he left because he wasn't in like a guaranteed roster spot. So, playing time, I guess. I don't. I don't, I have no idea. Yeah. So that's that to me is like the biggest thing for Dennis Malkin. Would he report is, to the AHL. I, I'm not certain, but I feel like he would. You think he? But he, but like what? How does that benefit the Leafs if he reports to the AHL? He reports like let's say he is in the AHL for the Leafs. His insurance. He's plays okay. He plays well, and you bring you're him working up. Working with his development. You're still working with the development yes, staff. Yeah. I don't know. But Galchenyuk went to the Marlies. Yeah, but if you bring him up and he's claimed on waivers, then what do you do? Galchenyuk went to the Marlies as a taxi squad. Then he's gone. Well, no, he went to the Marlies and played. But what, but, but there was like the game. taxi squad liaison that helped him push them through waivers no or am i thinking about that incorrectly he passed fully through waivers okay maybe maybe he was on he was put on waivers by ottawa and then he cleared and then that's why the Leafs were able to assign him to the marlies because it was okay. through a trade yeah okay that and makes then sense. he scored a bunch with the marlies they're like oh how the leafs fixed yeah, yeah but, Galchenyuk but came he, out. but that, he was already waiver exempt at that point and my point is yeah. is if dennis malkin plays well for the marlies why wouldn't a team just want to claim him when the Leafs bring him up if he's already playing well. Uh, can't you call him up? If he passes through waivers to go to the Marlies, can't you call him up then he's waiver exempt for the month or whatever? I honestly, I don't know how it works. But in my head, you I gotta just... got to look that up. Yeah, I, I just don't think he's going to... He's either on the team or he's not I on the team. I don't think he gets I don't know, claimed. I don't know if he's going to be in the AHL for us. Who would claim him, though? I, I don't know. A team would, like a team claimed Adam Brooks last year. Adam Brooks several like, times. Yeah, several times. Several and, and times. He, I think he only had like he had less than twenty games played in the NHL. Where is Adam Brooks right now? Did he go somewhere? He is signed to Montreal, if I remember correctly. Uh, I think. He or played, did he cl- no, did he get claimed he, by that Montreal? was one of the teams? Shoot, um, <laughs> that was one. Oh, the Flyers. Flyers. Multi years too. Good for him. Wow. Um, but yeah, so I just don't. If I'm Dennis Malgan, it's like again. I either need to make the team or else probably probably isn't sticking around for too long. So anyone else in that game or is that? Uh, yeah, Pontus Holmberg, I really like him, especially at centers. Um, he's he's a good center. Uh, like, so you're yeah. t- so I've, you're- I've been impressed with him from the, the prospect tournament. He put up a good amount of points in the Swedish league. He was even on the, the, the Swedish Olympic team on top of that too. Like, I've been, I've been very happy with Pontus Holmberg. Yeah. Smart I, player. I think – before going into the season, you were thinking to yourself, all right, we're going to be looking for a good Swedish kid from the 2018 draft to play well in the preseason. And it ends up being Pontus Holmberg, not Rasmus Sandin. Was he 2018? He was 2018. Wow. He was a sixth round pick in 2018. So here, that, that's that's a good <laughs> good sign that he's already playing in the preseason as a sixth round pick four years after his draft. I don't know how, like that That to me is a good, I, I think it's just a I mean, positive it was a, sign. It was a positive sign when he was, uh, what's it called? Well, when he was a playoff MVP for his Swedish team for when they sure. won the championship, it was a positive sign when he was on the the Olympic team on top of that too. Like, yep. he's taking good strides. I've, I've been really happy with, with Pontus Holmberg's development. I mean, it's the, many... those late Swedish picks for the least. Yeah, clearly. So the early ones on the other hand, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just no, no, no. Well, we, just we know, but yeah. Yeah. He just <laughs> has to sign a contract. Yes. But, in terms of this game, uh, Fraser Minton played. I thought he was better than what I had saw from him in the prospect tournament. Um, other than that, oh, Justin Hall had an awesome game. Yep. I'd love to see it. But, yeah, other than that, that was pretty well it. In terms of game number two, I mean, again, like I'm not going to try to fool people. I I wasn't able i was able to watch that's fine the less analysis extended for highlights yeah like i was able to watch the extended highlights so i saw things here and there um like i saw cal yarncroc scored two off the one timer which he was that is a strength he did score a decent amount of one-time goals in a similar sort of fashion last year with the kraken not with the flames but we won't we'll skip over that part of cal yarncroc's career but he, he he's pretty good on the one time 
The one thing that I did notice in terms of the extended highlights was how many times that Matthews and Bunting were able to free up the puck for one another or free up the puck and feed it to Yarncroc. Like Yarncroc then hit inside of the post, almost had a hat trick in that game. Like, welcome to Toronto. I mean, Nick Ritchie did do something similar, but uh, we're not talking about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to point out in this game, Samsonov did what he needed to, stopped all the sh- stopped every shot that came his way, made some good saves in there too. Uh, Keith Petrozelli, who I pumped, I pumped his tires in the prospect tournament. He got pumped in this one. I thought he could not see the puck through screens at all. Like the shot would come, it would get blocked. He would go down, he would stay down. He wouldn't be able to find it. And then on one goal, his read was horrible. He stayed down. He pushed one way, the pass went the other. And then bang, it ends up in the back of the net. The third goal, I mean, the shot comes, he doesn't see it at all. It ends up in the corner and then they just bang it in at the side of the net. Like, he had a tough goal. He was having a real tough time seeing the puck through screens and his his reads still need some work as well. So, yeah, maybe, maybe a little, I don't know, maybe a few games with the Growlers wouldn't kill him. But, mm-hmm. yeah, he still needs some minor league development for sure. I'll say that. But, yeah, I, I'm excited to see a good, get a good look at Matt Murray. That, that'll be... Yeah, so interesting tomorrow. Something interesting. Uh, something too interesting. <laughs> something to note is that my, Matt Murray didn't play either game. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know if that's that's, anything. that's nothing to note. I don't think that's anything. To uh, it's a little suspicious. Why? Because why? Why wouldn't he play? It makes zero sense for him not to play. They had four other goalies that were going to play. Okay, but don't you want to see your potential starting goalie play? Yeah, he's playing tomorrow. Right. Or today, technically, that, or whenever you're listening to this. Yeah. He's playing Wednesday. He's playing Wednesday for sure. Okay. So why does that matter? It, I, it's it's just something that's a little I think you're looking weird. too far into it. I don't know. I wonder if it's – I wonder maybe if Ottawa had something to do with it, the no. fact that it was the Ottawa Senators. We'll see. Not well, he's Well, he's if he's playing tomorrow, that means he's definitely not playing the next preseason game, right? Which is against – Ottawa Senators. Ottawa. I wonder if he gets any games against Ottawa this year. We'll see. Um, but – yeah, he will. He has to. We'll see. They play Ottawa way too many times for him not to, unless he gets injured, which... Yeah, of course, but... Knock on wood. I, I just <laughs> hope I hope that it's not a mental thing, and it's no. like a, th- a thing where we have to preserve this guy's mental because he's... He's not Can't James Reimer. They, it's not James Reimer where they purposely do hey. not start him against Toronto because <laughs> we've seen it so many times. But James Reimer wanted to start against Toronto... And it took six times to realize I, I can't play against Toronto anymore. But I don't know. I don't think Matt Murray was going, oh, the Senators, please. The sen- Sorry, the Senators split squad. Please don't I, play me against the Senators split squad in Toronto. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying. If you're that mentally fragile yeah. that you can't play against the Ottawa Senators split squad at home for two periods, then... Like this guy's just not gonna work at all. Like I, I agree. I would put him on LTIR <laughs> right now, and I would trade everything for someone else. Yeah, fair, fair. But I'm just gonna say, like, that you can't, you can't be tiptoeing that. That yeah, much. but there is like, I don't know. I, I'm not saying that he came out and said it. I'm not saying that he wanted From this to happen. From a psychiatric point of view, I would be concerned for this guy. A hundred percent. But I wonder if this is the Leafs coddling him. No. And that's all that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it was his decision. I'm not saying he wanted to do this. I'm just saying it could be a possibility. So something to keep an eye on and look forward to. He's definitely not playing the next the preseason game against the like the other preseason game Probably against the not, Senators. No. It just doesn't make sense for him to play two in a row. Two in a row. Um but yeah, there's uh we have a back to back to start the year, correct? Yes. Seventh and eighth. Yeah. So yeah. back to back to the same thing last year. Too. Back to back to start the year. And then two games, and then we play the Senators. So maybe we'll see that night. If uh, we'll, we'll, see. we'll see, we'll see. That'll be a big one. Is that in Ottawa? Can it you is see that at Toronto? So in Toronto. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. So. Anyways, that's just my conspiracy yeah. gra- brain going at it. I'm excited to see Matt Murray in the Leafs uniform. I'm excited to see him play uh, in that pre in that. In the next preseason game, yeah. I'm curious to see how he's he got looks. A killer helmet. His helmet looks really nice. That's sick. I like but, that. I uh, like good we'll helmets. See. We'll see how everything kind of gets put together mm-hmm. uh, in this one. Any other thoughts from this game? Any 
yeah, Twitter so buzz from people. I did get to watch some more tape of Nicholas Albe Kubel and Bobby McMahon going into this game. I unfortunately saw that Kubel made a couple nice passes in this one that led to chances, and that Bobby McMahon had a breakaway opportunity. I think the puck was rolling on him, so I don't think he got to put it where he wanted to, but nevertheless, still a good shorthanded opportunity. Um, in terms of strengths, Bobby McMahon, I mean, his he's strong on his stick, and I mean that in terms of he's very good at winning sort of one-on-one puck battles uh, and getting takeaways and getting himself the puck that way. Um, in terms, like, he had he scored 24 goals this year. Decent he, in front of the, like, some of them in front of the net, I would say. I don't think his shot is that great. But in terms of what he's lacking, I think... He's a little bit too much of blinders on in the offensive zone. Um, I think his lat- like his skating straight line speed is okay. However, I think laterally it's kind of lacking. So, I mean, we'll see. He's another late bloomer, so hopefully he takes another step with the Marlies, but I don't anticipate him making the team. I've, I, I originally thought, hey, maybe I entertained it, but I don't see him making the team this year. But I get to, I get, to get a, another viewing of him tomorrow. In terms of Abe Kubel, uh, this is a guy, I mean, had, I want to say, almost half the hits of Zach Aston Reese, but still a good amount, like over 100 in 70 games or whatever, 123, I want to say, which is a very strong amount of hits. In the playoffs, though, the game that I watched of him, he hit everything. So he knows when to turn it on, which is nice to see. Um his skating is okay as well. I really like him positionally. He seems to know where to be on the ice. Unfortunately, his hands stink. Like yep. I, I can't put it any other way. And he loves to entertain contact when he has the puck because he's pretty good. He's 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 a thick boy with I'd say three C's. Yeah. Um. So he's good at protecting the puck. However, I don't like when in the in the defensive zone he does that and then he tries to. You know, you chip it off the boards and out. Like, frequently, from what I saw, there was more than one occasion where he flipped it into not the greatest spots, I would say. But his hands kind of limit him offensively Mm -hmm. because off the pass, he can't really catch and shoot very well. Um, Off the rush, too, not really much there. Uh, A lot of his goals were just scored from, like, scramble kind of plays that occurred, and he was able to get a good whack on it. Um, the velocity on his shot is okay, but again, the release isn't that that great. But again, he's a, another good depth player. They, Jared Bednar did play him more than a few times with some other good players too. So maybe like a good defensive insurance type of player later in games that we could see him. But you know, for, from the sound, decent decent depth player. So from the sound of it, when you tend when you tend okay when you invite contact uh, with the puck that usually means you don't have confidence in your ability to like uh be be able to maneuver away from a guy with with your hands or with your skating so so he invites so, the contact yeah. and then he makes like he kind of like shifts from there to okay give fair enough. space like yeah he is smart and i do like the way that like he he does have the he does like to like you know you you look off one way and then you pass it the other. He does do that, which yeah, yeah, yeah. some players just stare down their passing target and then feed it, and it's very obvious. Yeah, like, so th- there was a couple times where I saw where looking one way, the old Tom Brady and, or Patrick Mahomes, and and send it the other. But yeah, you know his hands aren't great, so it doesn't really end up. I don't know on the tape. No, yeah, that that, that makes sense. That's, that's important though. So that that means right there that he knows where guys are on the ice. That means he's always looking. That's a plus. Yeah. Like. Inviting contact, not too big of a fan of that, but you don't never want to over-invite contact because you want to take the space if it's given to you. But again, Especially this, in the defense this, this seems like the type of player that could fit on that fourth line. If we have a fourth yeah. line of like we like David Camp, Zach Aston Reese, and They're Nicholas. Gonna, uh, the issue is with that fourth line, though, that fourth line is literally going to score zero goals. That's okay. Do we like do we do we do we need like David Camp scored two goals in the playoffs? I don't know how he did that, but he did. He did but it. do we need that line to do that? I guess maybe with how they were playing, yeah. how how our bottom six was playing, maybe. But like if we can create it again, like I'd like them to score a little bit. Yeah, they'll 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 score. I'm put it in right now. Zach Aston Reese and David Camp are going to combine for twelve goals this year combined. Two of arguably the worst, whether they're worth the lease or not. 
two terrible offensive guys. Let's see it. That's not they right. probably combined for it last year. Zach Aston Reese is in the NHL. David I mean. Camp also scored a goal in which he literally missed the puck and it went in the net. I don't know if you remember that against Chicago. He do. literally missed the puck and it went in the net. But that was also like almost the turning point of the season, even though it was only nine games in. That was like the okay, the season might now has a chance to be good, and then the playoffs happen. But uh, yeah, like I, I, Ave Kubel, the way you're describing him, I'm excited for him in like a four, fourth line role. Curious to see if he can actually step up and play in the t- in the top nine at the very least. But um, I don't. Okay, how about this? Twelve five on five goals. Fair. Yeah, I'd take the. Under. What about shorties, including like no. No, shorties don't count. They both play shorthanded. And I mean, you get. But a it's, right. it's so hard to score on a short. It's so hard to score shorthanded. Yeah, no. but they—that's a little extra added. I mean, Fair. in terms of, like, the big thing also is like empty netters. I think. Yeah, yeah let's both, let's get rid of empty netters. Those. Yeah, let's do let's do five on five then. Fine, I'll take that. Um, but yeah, uh, Abe Kubel. It's also like moving the puck up ice. Like none of those players really right. move the puck up ice. So if you start them in the defensive end, like think about why David Camp was able to be effective last year. Yep. He had Andre Kasha at points. He had Pierre Engvall. That's a good point. He even oh. had uh, Ilya Mikheyev too. Yep. Like, uh, Abe Kubel doesn't skate like any of those guys I just mentioned. Like, maybe if it's Abe Kubel and Pierre Engvall, mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, that could that be makes more sense. Yeah. a little bit better. So- but it's like, if you're doing Aston Reese, Camp, and Abe Kubel, who's moving the puck up the ice? Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. I didn't really consider that. So that like that's where yeah, yeah. people are like, but oh, we're to, gonna create this black hole shutdown line. It's like, okay, they're gonna get zero goals, and then a good game is where, like, okay, like maybe one goal happens against, but in the grand scheme of things, that's still a negative. Yeah, but to to be fair though, they do expect to Obey Kubel to fill the McKayev role. The way you describe him does not sound like Ilya McKayev. So he's not. They but, they play very differently. Okay, yeah. He's, so he's heavier. That, that makes he me worried. More, yeah. He protects the puck a little bit better, but Mikheyev's speed was yeah. very good. And, mm-hmm. like, come on. There's a reason Ilya Mikheyev signed for 475 a year for, for what, sure. five years? Abai Kubel just signed $1 million for one year, and that was rich for him yep. because he won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, and he was on waivers last year, like, too. It's not like he. There you go. It's not like he was like. Yeah. I'm just, again, reiterating what was said about him when we acquired him. Um, but yeah, I know. Yeah. Like if he's like, he, I, I assume they see a trend. He does things well, yeah. but it's like, I wouldn't expect 25 points from this guy. I wouldn't expect him shooting 14% again, which yeah. I believe he shot last year. Fair enough. Fair enough. It also depends on where he put, he's put him in the lineup, but yeah, like the way you describe yep. him doesn't think he, that doesn't 12. make 12.6% on the year, 14.1% with Colorado. Yeah. That doesn't make me think like he, it doesn't make me confident in that he'll be in the top six. Seems like more of a 49 hits guy. in 14 games. 49 hits in 14 games in but the playoffs, playing 10-22. That's okay. Like, again, comp- competent Massive. crit. Give me that and competent with, crit. And then with the Flyers, 52 hits in 13 games in the playoffs. Yeah. Knows when to elevate, which you got to love. But, like... I mean, give me that. That's not... Yeah. <laughs> 5-11, 2-15. Is this guy a running back? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I love it. It makes sense. I can see He's it thick, out there. Yeah. I, I thought, like, so with some players, it's their equipment. But, like... Yeah. Wow. Thick. That's that's three C's thick. Yeah. Um, Anywho, mo- moving on from Abe Kubel, uh, Nick Robertson. Any update on him? How did you feel like he played? Was he? So I that? didn't get to see the didn't game. Really so get I to see any, like, any. There wasn't any highlights, and I wasn't so that's, able to. That's not. That's not. That's see. not a Just good sign. Just skip, and I'll watch tomorrow. Fair enough. So Fair enough. It's is a preseason he, game. Is he playing tomorrow? Believe so. Okay. So yeah, let's let's move on then to we like okay so guys to keep an eye on like there you go nick robertson hundred <laughs> percent. so yeah any other guys so next keep yeah. an eye on so in terms like this this game that they're playing tomorrow is filled with guys to keep an eye on i mean abrutsezi anderson clifford durargachinsev curtis douglas gets his first preseason game uh pontus holmberg cali yarncrock alex kerfoot dennis malgan bobby mcmahon william nylander nick robertson alex steves so it's uh wow not too I many NHLers in there. I mean, it's at home too. Usually, they play yeah. the better team, the the better team at home. Yeah, and it's the the uh, they're doing a celebration for the 1972 Summit Series team. Huh. 
So, and then on defense, Jordy Ben, TJ Brody, Carl Dahlstrom, Mark Giordano, Victor Mete, Tommy Miller, and Morgan Riley. Where did you see that? Uh, the Leafs posted it. Oh, okay. So not a lot of NHLers out there. It's it's William Nylander. It's gonna be the William Nylander show tomorrow, baby. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Um, but, all right, that's that's good to. Yep. Good little list of guys to keep an eye out for. Um, I was a little concerned though that you want to see buzz about Nick Robertson. You want to see that stuff, and if oh, there's yeah. no buzz, that's not that means he didn't play again. I didn't watch the game, so I'm not giving you. My opinion, maybe if I actually watch the game, he maybe he did the little things that other that people on Twitter don't really care about, but the coach and the coaching staff would care about, and maybe that gives him that's that like maybe that's what happened. But not seeing stuff on Twitter about him, not a good sign. I didn't we see want him, we want him on so. the team next year, like we want or sorry this year we want him to be playing. So you know, I'm not going to hold a, a game I didn't watch against him. So you know what, shelve it. Shelve it. Take a look at it. Turn a blind eye to it, and uh, tomorrow we get to see him again. Yep. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Moving on. But tomorrow, I'm really excited to see Matt Murray. Can't. Uh, nervous, but still excited to see Matt Murray play. Do we know if the Habs are going to be playing any NHLers? I assume Slav. Boomba. Wow. Slavkovsky is going to be playing. I assume maybe a Caulfield will be playing. I haven't um, seen any of their roster. I mean, we can look it up on the fly in terms of we can look it up on the fly, but I don't I don't know why they would even announce right now if, what their roster is. Yeah. There's a lot of videos here. Oh my god. Come I on. mean the least it, but play? yeah. Um, we'll find out tomorrow. Yeah, we'll find out tomorrow then. Yeah. All good. All yeah. good. Any other notes that you guys have uh oh, around let's quickly do I Around the league, Spencer Knight just signed for three years at $4.5 million AAV. He still has it one year left on his entry-level deal this, this coming season. And then, obviously, that bridge comes into play. Uh, they still have Sergei Bobrovsky on the books. I mean, that's, that's a lot of money to be paying two goaltenders. That's close to $15 million, if not 15 It is 15, $14.5 for the next, 14 after this year, the next three for, years. For three years. Yeah. Um, Jason, you said this off air, but I believe that is the Patrick Hornquist money. Yes. So Patrick Hornquist makes five, five million, five point three million. So I assume that will come off. That's going to come off the books next year as a UFA. Uh, I assume they're just in their head reallocating that salary to Spencer Knight. Eight hundred k for another player, and there you go. Or even Patrick Hornquist again, right? Maybe he maybe he enjoys Florida. Maybe. And then I believe that right there is adds up to. 5.3, 5.3, that 5.3, was. 5.3, exactly. So they end up saving 9.25, if you think about it like that. But regardless of thinking about it like that, oh, yeah. ter- terrible move for the, the Florida Panthers. I'm sorry, not a good move because your worst-case scenario if you don't sign him is that he plays out of his mind. Like, hmm, like uh, let me think of another goalie who's on his last series. Jake Ottinger. And then you sign him to the exact same deal Jake Ottinger got, which is less than what you're paying Spencer Knight right now. So in my head... Silly move, bad move from Florida. Not really on brand with them. And it was it was I found it was weird. I mean with Jake Ottinger also like it, it's it's kind of interesting to see him come in. Like the reason you're saying out of his mind is you're remembering those seven games against Calgary. Yeah. That was out of his mind. His save percentage through the year was nine fourteen, but when you look at it, it was a lot better than the other NHL goalies that they had on their Absolutely. roster. Absolutely, the season before his rookie season was also a lot better than the other NHL goalies you had on your roster. Yep. So he was playing very well. I'm not sure how easy the Dallas system was to play for. I mean, yep. Wedgwood came in and filled in pretty nicely. I would say. Yeah, I, but he. Uh, he did it over like a really large sample, though. Yeah, so I don't want. Yeah, that's true. But I, I, I see. I see what you're saying in the sense that the Dallas system might be easier because you know what? you're right because they're the way they coach and the way they play. Yeah, it's probably it's not the easiest. What to play? Uh, I mean, uh, Wedgwood was a nine thirteen with a three oh four goals yeah. against. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think it was the easiest to play. I would say. But, I mean, just thinking about like Ryan Suter, mm-hmm. um, who was the guy that signed with Anaheim Klingberg. Yeah, those aren't the best defensive players. Yeah. On. Uh, yeah, and and for Spencer Knight, I'm sure playing Alexiak too, playing big. behind the Florida Panthers also isn't 
No, not easy the easiest, at all. So because they're know. very run and gun. So maybe very run. But and gun. but again, like if that's the case and it's hard to play against, then you're not you're not, you don't have to worry about paying them out the out the wazoo to to play for you then, right? Yeah. So that's where yeah. It, that's why exactly, it doesn't make sense. Exactly. It that's it, where you, you make a good point that like how many games like four and a half million dollars that would be like like. What numbers would he have to have put up this year if he were to play out this year for him to earn a four and a half by three million dollar contract? Would you say? Oh my God, he's got. Well, he definitely has to hit a nine fifteen, which over in yep. in thirty two games mm-hmm. last year he was at a nine oh eight, so that's like a, a seven seven percent bump or seven point oh seven bump, whatever. Um, I wonder, like, yeah, I, I don't know, like, yeah. He's he's so young. It's just I don't under I, Very I I don't understand it. I really just don't. I okay. His last twelve games so, played, he had a nine thirteen. He's got like what what did um? It's hard to compare him though. I will agree. Yeah, because he's younger than what or actually he would have been. Uh, I think he's the same age as Andre. No, he's younger. He's younger Three years than younger. Uh, Jake Ottinger okay. is a 98 born, and he's a 2001 born. Okay. Like yes. How many 2001 born goaltenders are playing There's, in the NHL right you're now? You're right. Honestly, you're I right. I don't believe any of them. But, so that's where it's it's so hard to evaluate, but he has such immense pote- potential that maybe it's like they want to keep him happy because the agent's probably saying, and he's probably saying, hey, like you've got Bobrovsky signed for God knows how many years, for God knows how much, like for an ungodly amount of money, like... And you keep telling me, hey, you're the goalie of our future, but I'm sitting here playing 30 games a year. Maybe it's to keep him happy, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I The only other like comparable I can think of is Carter Hart. Carter Hart signed his deal, yeah. uh, I believe, when he was 21. Um, maybe not. Maybe he, he had the same. I think he might have been a, a year older uh, when he signed. But he's kind of on a similar trajectory where he played 31 games in 2018-2019 and had a 9.17 save percentage. 2019-20, 43 games with a .914 save percentage. And then that's when he signed. It was that summer. Um, so he actually had 74 games under his belt, which is kind of what you'd expect Spencer Knight to get next year, right? You expect sure. that season. But Spencer Knight's not putting up a 9.17. And Hart had a good playoffs. Yeah. And, there too. And, and Knight's not putting up a 9.14, 9.17, right? He's putting up a 908. So I'd expect a big jump next year if to, to live up to that contract or to, to for him to earn what he would have like what this contract was worth if he were to have, to have gone unsigned. It's like asking a lot of a of a twenty one year old. And I'm I don't not maybe maybe that's to take the pressure off him. But regardless, maybe. poor management, I think, on their part. Very poor management. Yeah. Maybe so. I mean that that is a good point though, taking the pressure off. Right. It's, uh, because Carter, that's an Hart, interesting little caveat. Yeah, the difference because was that's ninety nine percent. That's ninety eight percent of goaltending is just pressure. That sort of uh, mental game to it, and I mean, you're going into that contract year. If you have that contract kind of set, like maybe, maybe you can just focus on hockey. Yeah, and that'll but, make it all better. Yeah. Last, last thing I'm going to yeah, say, rich, a little rich for my liking. Yes, yes, for sure. Based on what he is right now. For sure, the contract is a little rich, but there are some other human factors. I guess you got to take a look at. Yeah, but the most most important factor that the GM should be considering is how how they're going to win the cup with this window that they have. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, is that this is the window. Yep. this is it. Yep, the next two three years is the window. So, yeah. Anyways, any other around the league stuff you got, or? Uh, I don't think I have anything. No, not really. Just uh, preseason, you know, getting too excited about certain players that will never score another NHL goal. (laughs) That's the way it is. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. If you don't have anything, thank you, everyone, for listening. Go, Lisco.